check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys. Welcome to Red Storm Chasers. I'm Vincent here with Craig, Tim, and Nick. On this episode, we'll talk about the loss at Creighton, the doubleheader against Seton Hall. We'll have an interview with the head student manager, Gabe Samanji, and we'll look ahead to the Villanova matchup on Saturday. Guys, how was your weekend? Pretty good. Got to enjoy a lot of football this weekend. A lot of great games. Great football weekend. A lot of bad losses gambling. <laughs> not not too fun there when the on the losses and the gambling, but it was a great weekend of football, to be completely honest. It was. It was it was the best weekend of football. I I, I mean certainly with the best playoff weekend of football probably ever. Um some of the most I mean, some of the greatest games. I mean, uh the Buffalo Bills, Kansas City Chiefs games is an all time great game. Um, back and forth. It was just insane. I it's a shame that um Josh Allen didn't get the ball at the end because it was really whoever had the ball last scope was gonna win and it's just unfortunate that the NFL has a stupid overtime that doesn't let both teams get the ball. Just a terrible overtime the worst overtime system. I mean maybe not the worst overtime system. Actually, yeah, no, you know it what? is because no, it is the worst overtime system because it just doesn't, you know, it 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 doesn't. It only benefits one team. The coin toss is the most important play of the entire overtime. Yeah, because like even, you know, well, I, even if you even they're like, okay, well, you changed it, right? Because you can now hold into a field goal, and then you don't get. Yeah, except that if one team is, if you're the first team, you get a field goal. The other team gets a field goal. You get the ball back. You get a field goal. You win. So essentially, you won the coin toss. You had the advantage of that. You win. Right. It's it's. The, the the stupid part about it is there's a there's a better solution that we already have on the table. College football already does it better, so why wouldn't you just do that? I mean, you can make alterations so it's not from the twenty five. I get that. I don't want to do that. That's fine. But like, there's no reason to just alter it to your needs. It's the better system. Both teams get the ball. It's fair. It's exciting too. That's what it it's is. Exciting. But we would never get the Matt Hasselbeck moment. Uh, we want the ball. We're going to score. Pick six. Pick six. <laughs> you could still have that. There's pick sixes in college football. Actually, that's true. Time. A pick six would end it anyway because your team didn't score. It is, but it doesn't feel as definite. So what, what I'm getting at is when the team wins the coin toss in the NFL and you make the statement, we're going to drive down, we're going to score, a.k.a. we're going to win. True. What does that mean in college? Okay, we'll get a second chance, so cool. But you won't. If you throw a pick six in college, no, you, no, you still but, lose. But the, implement- the, the confidence of it. The, 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 yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. I think it shows actually kind of who has a more well-rounded team, who has a, a more of both sides of the ball. Because, like, you know, in, I mean, in, in, in their case, you know, Josh Allen didn't get the ball. All you got to saw was Kansas City's offense and the Bills' defense. That was it. You didn't get to see Kansas City's defense and the Bills' offense. Whereas if it was, you know, if they shifted it back, obviously they couldn't do 25. They'd probably have to do it like 40 or 50. Yeah. Um, and if they did that, like, you would get to see, yeah, you wouldn't get to be like, you know, I'm going to go down and score. You could still say that, and you can do that, but then it's like, all right, I still need the other part of my team to do the job. So you actually get to see who's kind of a better team, I would say. I'd make the argument for. Yeah. Well, I think I think it makes more sense. Well, the positive we shall really focus on is Tom Brady is not in the playoffs anymore. That is a great point. That's that's the best part of the whole weekend. Yeah. Should we guard Cooper Cup, the top receiver in the NFL? Nah. 
We good. I couldn't believe he was that wide open on the last play. I mean, it's just it, neither Cooper could Matthew Cup. Stafford. Neither could Cooper <laughs> Cup. <laughs> so Nick, how was your weekend? My weekend was pretty good. Um, started on Saturday, really, with St. John's game at noon. Um, you know, it wasn't the best game. We'll, we'll talk about it in a little while, but I got to see a lot of the people that I gra- graduated well, our managers with me, um, which was really fun. Um, Sunday, I didn't get to watch all the games. I got to watch part of the, the Bucks game, um, but I had to take a final for my winter course that day. So, you know, it was, it was bittersweet that, that Sunday, you know, got to study all day, but I couldn't get to watch the games. I was excited on Saturday that I got to start the day with Daily Burger. That was maybe pretty excited. I'm not gonna lie, haven't had one yet all season. After all that food talk last I know. episode, you know, I know I was hyped about it, and it was, it was you know as advertised, it was delicious. I didn't get daily burger or popcorn. I got chicken and waffles. What did you get? Oh, chicken chicken waffles. Yeah. yeah, they have a chicken waffles there. I didn't I didn't know they had a chicken waffles there. I didn't get a no. So I was <laughs> so one of my good friends, Brian Peters, used to be a manager with me and a head manager. Uh, he's he runs the thing for like the Red and White Club, mm-hmm. and because I'm an, I'm a, a former manager, um, we're part of the St. John's basketball family that gets to go in for free. Yeah, so, look at you. Yeah, they had free chicken and waffles there, so that was pretty sweet. Nice. That's a big win. It's a big W. But I, I, I kind of just wanted popcorn. <laughs> As I went on the last time, I'm a simple kind of guy. I like popcorn. I was not uh, at the game. I was working. Uh, I had a doubleheader that I was working for my job, but. Uh, you know, your it, birthday. It was my birthday, so I, I missed the game, and it was a terrible outcome on my birthday. But, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, we, you, we move on. Well, your job sends you to the military. That's right. I was in Annapolis, Maryland, which was, uh, I mean, always beautiful to be down in Annapolis and be on campus down there. It's really uh, special. And I was actually working Army-Navy, so it was kind of cool to see, uh, you know, just, just to be part of that rivalry was pretty awesome. And seeing, you know, I, I was there early in the morning, so seeing... Me being cold and be like, damn, this sucks. I'm awake at like four o'clock in the morning when there's like guys in full uniforms like running for their like daily routine. I was like, okay, you know what? It's it's not that bad. Um, <laughs> It'll help me real quick. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but beautiful down there in Annapolis. If you get a chance, it's a a good place to go to for a game. Let's get into some St. John's basketball. That's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. Uh, so let's just talk right about the last scene hall game and not talk about anything else. <laughs> <laughs> if only it was that simple, Tim. If only yeah. it was that simple. So last week, we had an unfortunate matchup on Wednesday. a uh, The worst loss of the season, by far. 64-87 to loss to the Creighton Blue Jays in Omaha. We had joked, uh, joked now because we lost by 20 points, that that was a game we thought we could win. Uh, and uh, we were wrong. Dead uh, wrong. Dead wrong. It was a game, we talked about Omaha being a tough place to play, and we weren't wrong about that. It was a tough place to play, particularly for us, considering we never got off the bus. Alex O'Connell led all scorers with 28 points. For St. John's, Julian Champagny led with 17 points. Aaron Wheeler had 16, and Ade Wusu had 10. Those were our three double-digit scorers. Arthur Kaluma also had 20 points for the Blue Jays. Did a good job on turnovers, 19 turnovers for Creighton. We only turned the ball over 10 times. Got absolutely demolished in the rebound area, 50-31, to 31, almost as bad as the score. And, you know, there's not a lot of good takeaways from this game. We never got off the bus. We just we, we just looked like we didn't, didn't know what we were doing. We looked like we were a mess. And, you know, I, I, it was hard coming away from that game because I thought that was a game we could steal to play like we played and be so disappointing that it, it, it really hurt my confidence on Wednesday night. You guys told me 
that I was a fool, that they're not good at shooting threes. We don't have to worry about them shooting threes. What did I say? I, th- I, don't, I know, but, you know, they're, cr- they're Creighton. They're Nebraska kids, middle of nowhere. All they know is how to shoot. So what happens? We have three guys who killed us. One guy went, O'Connell went six for nine. Kaluma went four for five. And Hawkins went three from five. They killed us. They're still ninth in the league in shooting. 31.9% shooting. from the from three-point line. Again. Not against we, us. Our game plan is to leave them open yeah, at the three-point line. That's true. Well, there's, so, a, there's a difference between what we normally do where we're a second off because we're pressuring and they're open. No, no. O'Connell was open like it was a halftime shooting contest like he was trying to win a T-shirt. We, I, I feel like we didn't even cover him. Like The plan when, when he had the ball at three was like, let him shoot. There was at least three times where no one ran to him. Yeah, I mean, it was the three. First of all, they shot very well from the three-point line. I mean, 14 for 27. It is easier when, as Tim said, they were open. Um, they were pretty wide open. This game was early over. No, sorry. This game was over pretty early on. Uh, we were down big very quickly. I know Connell went off in the first half, and this kind of just coasted into a, a crushing loss. It was really not really close at all. As a team, we only shot 38.6% from the field. That's It's going to be hard to win games when your opponent shoots 51% from three and you only shoot 38% from the field. It, you're just not going to win games like that. And it's it's not only because we were bad at shooting. Their defense was good and their offense helped their defense a lot. So them nailing the threes... It's going to be hard to beat anybody when they shoot 51% from three, uh, but it's going to be particularly hard when you're not making shots on the other end. Yeah, I think not only did we have a bad game, they also, to their credit, had probably their best game of the season. So, um, you you know, you can say what you want about whatever, but we played our worst game, they played their best game. The outcome, obviously, when that happens is not particularly good for the team that has their worst game. Um, so that that's what happened to us on, on, on Wednesday night. It was just a, a massacre. Um, the one bright spot I do want to bring up, though, was Aaron Wheeler continued his uh, recent string of success, and he really has he's turned the corner uh, and has become an invaluable piece of this team uh, and, and someone that is going to key us going forward. One other thing I want to note, just as like a, an always little for every, it's like a game inside of a game. How are the three free throws in this game? Five from 12, 41.7%. As bad as we played as, you know, as awful as we played. Um, you know, you could still make your free throws. That's still seven points you gave up. I mean, you know, it doesn't really matter when you when you lose, lose by, by 23. 20. But, you know, could have lost by 16. Just looks a little better. I don't know. Free throws. No, you're, you're right. It's always good to hit your free throws no matter what happens. And, it, you know, it is something we've struggled with. And we went back. We had two good games of free throw shooting. And, and it looked like in that game we kind of went back on the snide. But you know what I mean? In that whole game we didn't play well. So it. It take it with a grain of salt, and we see in the next two games that wasn't necessarily the same point. Yeah, I mean, I think you just take that Wednesday night, you clear the memory brink, and move on to the next game, frankly. That's the be- the only way you can do You had a bad night, and we move on. You had a bad day. Take a one down. Absolutely. Oh. I mean, just just get rid of it. It's over. It's yeah. over. We, it's over. It's done with. Move on. At the end of the game, when Braziller was asking questions to Anderson and the team, Aaron Wheeler came out and said the team wasn't disciplined enough for that game. And honestly, he is 100% right on that. They certainly looked like it. 
the first half was just just abysmal. Uh, but again, it's only one loss. Take it as it is and move on. So we get to talk about the Seton Hall win yet? No, Tim. We're not going to talk about the win yet. We have to talk about the first Seton Hall game, which was Saturday. 66-60 to 60 loss for St. John's. Miles Kale led the way with 21 points for Seton Hall. Aaron Wheeler was the leading scorer for St. John's with 13 points. Posh Alexander, the only other double-digit scorer, which means Julian Champagny snapped his 47-game double-digit streak, having only nine points he didn't get there. It was an ugly game. It was an ugly game for both teams, and it was a disappointing loss because it was one where even though we played sloppy, we could have won. 17 turnovers for Seton Hall, good number for us. Only nine turnovers for us. Those are good numbers. Rebounds, 60-43. to 43. We lost that battle once again, but we've that's become commonplace, so we've kind of got to get past that. Seton Hall had 10 blocks in that game, which I don't understand why we continue to fall into these block teams and just fall apart. It, it's, it's a constant in the Big East. There's teams that are really good at blocking the ball. There are two teams in the top 15, in blocking, and we just get the crap blocked out of us every time. We just and we don't ever change up the game plan. It's like go down, drive, get blocked. Uh, that happened a little bit with ten blocks at Seton Hall. That's a big number. Again, this is a game where it's a home game, Madison Square Garden. We thought we could win, and we just didn't sh- didn't play to the level to get over the hump and win this game. I mean, frankly, we we yes, we could have won, and we kind of should have won. We shot 29.3% from the field, and we lost by six. How many teams do that? That's how bad the game St. was. John, I know. Yeah, St. John's. And yeah, you're right. It was a product. I mean, it looked awful. I mean, the game was it, it, it was a bad game. It wasn't a well-played game by either side. So, yeah, Nick, it, it kind of looked like neither team wanted to win this game. Uh, the two high points for us, though, I thought I'm in my, on my end were Aaron Wheeler had 13-7. and seven. He continues to grow and become a big part of this offense, like we talked about against Creighton. And, like, we'll talk again about in the next game. Uh, and, actually, I think Joel Serrano had a good game. Uh, he had seven points. He didn't get double digits. But he had 14 rebounds. And uh, he was a presence in the paint. Um, and, he, you know, we need him to do that. And our complimentary players, if they do that, that's enough to win. I mean, that's a that's solid performance on their end. The problem for us was really our big three of Champagny, uh, Daewusu, and Posh really didn't have a great game. And those guys need to be the guys that drive us. Yeah, with Obiagu getting seven blocks, that really explains why Wusu was one for 12. I'm pretty sure he accounted for at least six of those blocks. It was the same thing each and every time, just that nice Euro step, both that slow finish and then a block. Um, those three guys combined were seven for 37 on the day, which is that just we're just not going to win very many games with those guys shooting seven for 37 from the field. It's almost impossible for us. And another poor free throw shooting outing for us again, uh, 64.7%. Now, Soriano went one for four from the free throw line. He's been about 80% for us, so we changed that to three for four. Also, we're back in the 70s. Fluke things like that may drop us, but we have to get back into 70% range for the free throws again because we cannot afford to lose that many points. I would say also one other thing about this game was that we actually did have good defensive intensity throughout the game. I think we played tough on defense. Part of it was bad shooting, but part of it was good defense. Um, We also just didn't shoot well enough to win. But I don't. I think in terms of defensive effort after Wednesday, being kind of a dud, 
Um, we, we really got after it on Saturday. We just we couldn't put the ball in the basket, which is the bigger problem for us. Tim, we did turn around our free throw shooting on Monday. Yeah, let's talk about that. All right. 76% from the free throw line on Monday's victory at Seton Hall in Walsh Gymnasium, an 84-63 to win against the Seton Hall Pirates. As sloppy and bad as the game was on Saturday is as good as St. John's played on Monday. This team on Monday looked like the team that we expected to see for the whole season. Everything was flowing. Everything was hitting. And, you know, when you win by 20 points, it feels, you know, like you're on the moon. And it felt like that on Monday. Posh Alexander led all scorers with 19 points. Aaron Wheeler, another extremely good game, 17 points. Montez Mathis with 10 as well were the double-digit scorers for St. John's. Miles Kale led Seton Hall with 16 points. Also with double digits was Roden had 12, Harris had 12, and Trey Jackson had 11. But that was pretty much all of their scoring was their problem. They didn't really get any help from anywhere else. That's why they ended up losing the game by as much as they did. Turnovers was... Good, actually, not great. 20 turnovers for Seton Hall, 14 for us, which is kind of high for us. We did win the rebound battle, 49-43. to 43. Huge number there for us. It's Obviously, we've talked about it repeatedly. That's something we lose all the time. Here it is. We won it. Led us to a 20-point victory. The only negative you can take out of Monday night, Julian Champagny's play. Julian had a tough night again. Had a couple of tough nights in a row here. Um, he, he doesn't seem to be finding a shot. Um, he'll get there. Uh, Julian Champagny, he he's going to be an NBA player. Um, I have faith that he will turn it around and he'll figure it out. But it was a tough night for him at Seton Hall. He he he, wait, he did affect the game in other ways. And what he did, what I liked about it was he didn't try. He forced it on a couple of occasions, but for the most part, he kind of let the game come to him. And he did the other things that team leaders do to um, continue to play well. And so he affected the game by blocking. He had a huge block, uh, which was was a huge play. Uh, he was getting rebounds. He was making assists. So he was doing the little things. He, he wasn't a big scorer that night. So hopefully, there, look, there will be many nights where Julian leads us with scoring. There has been. There has been, and there will continue to be. He, Julian's going to find a shot. Um, His line for the night, five points, eight rebounds, five assists, three steals, four blocks. So like Craig said, he had impacts other places, right? Eight rebounds is good. Three steals for him is, is solid. Five assists for him is very good. Four blocks is a really good number for him. Uh, but the five points is not what you like to see from Julian Champagne. We expect him to have more than that. But it was really good to see the rest of the team pick him up, to know that, okay, we are more than Julian Champagne, right? We can win without Julian Champagne scoring 20 points, and we did, and we did significantly. Everybody was on point besides Julian Champagne, and when your best player is not on point, typically you lose. When your best player is not on point and the rest of the team picks it up, you know, it gives you momentum. It, it gives you a real feeling of, okay, we're we're a unit, right? We're a unit who can do things, and we don't have to worry about making sure we get Julian the ball to make sure Julian scores all the points. So that way, you know, we're in a position to win. We can do it if he has a bad night. We can pick him up. And I think that's going to go a long way for us towards the end of the season here. Yeah. Uh, also, I can't stand that I brought up Miles Kale in the last episode that, out of the past five games, he's did he scored double digits in the past. Well, sometimes uh, it's good to be right, Tim. It's just unfortunate you were right. Yeah, yeah. But he also had a horrible free throw shooting uh, outing on this game. I thanks in part, large part to Nick to Nicholas Coughlin. 
Yep. And honestly, our free throws percentage should have been even higher because they took away an N1 for Nywe and they missed both free throws. Then we got the offensive rebound, which, I mean, I appreciate the rebounding, but Nywe definitely made the basket, got fouled while in the act of sh- uh, shooting, and they said, oh, he double clutched it. He got hit, so he kept shooting. Yeah, that was an absolutely ridiculous call. I remember when that call happened and then watching it because I was at the game, as we just said. Um, and I remember seeing Anderson getting a little fired up when they made the call, which was, you know, great. Uh, going back on what I said last on my last uh, on the last podcast. Good, good, like to, good see to see Mike Anderson up, yeah. getting fired up. Let's talk a little bit about you at the game, Nick. You could hear you during their free throws, yelling. You were the you were the sole voice in the crowd at Walsh Gymnasium that came through the television, yelling. That person screaming was was Nick, just in case anybody was wondering. Yeah, if you, that, if you go back and listen to the game, Nick is the guy you can hear yelling. Yeah, he was the human air horn. Yeah, at, <laughs> yeah. If you guys are listening, yeah. check out our Instagram. You can see the video of him yelling. Yes, that is on our story, and we have to actually uh, upload that to our like highlights thing. Um, but I was the only student. I was I, in. I was decked out in red. I had my red hat on. I had a red shirt on. I had red shoes on. Uh, you, I was in all red. And there's a little cell of St. John's behind St. John's bench, but everything else is blue. Like well, it, was, it was student tickets only. Student tickets only. So that's only. understandable. They did apparently give some tickets to St. John's students, but one St. John's student is going to go to South Orange, New Jersey for a game at 9 p.m. on a Monday. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, that's tough. Not that's really likely ass. to happen. I mean, to be fair, at least they did give tickets. They did. Or you they got to respect it. I mean, it, they said they, they did. said they did. I don't know if that's true or not. Maybe not. But if they did, you, you respect it. I mean, it, it's kind of a, a fake, you know, a fake invite because, like you said, who nine o'clock? You got to take the train to South Orange from Queens, which is like a three-hour train ride. Uh, most of the kids. I mean, if you're driving, it's an hour and a half at least. Right. So, like, yeah, it's sure. You know, it's like it's like giving free games to a game at Creighton. Yeah, and I could tell you one other thing. The kids around me, that were, the students that were sitting around me, absolutely hated me. <laughs> and I heard, I got texts from random people being like, that sounds unnatural, the noise that you're making. <laughs> Which, hey, I'm here for it. It clearly missed, messed Kale up, at least. I mean, he shot, he missed uh, three out of the first four he took. Yeah. And like the first one, like the first couple, you could, I don't know, maybe I am just uh, over, over emphasizing my impact on the game. But I think at the beginning, it absolutely messed them up. I think they got it used certainly to it a seemed- little bit. It, it, it was loud enough that you could hear it on TV, which which is hard to do. And yeah, and it's listen, also because it was so quiet, right? It, because it was right. all students, so they were right. like silent. It was like dead quiet. And they struggled. And I like, mean, they they did struggle with free throws. So Nick, I'd like to say you have an you had an impact on the game. I'm not saying I did, but I'm saying you know maybe a couple free throws here or there. Maybe the mentality got a little ruined that you know there was an invader in there uh, <laughs> on their home turf. What they say, a sleeper cell in the mix. A sleeper cell at Seton Hall yeah. at Walsh Gym. I got I got a, one last or one one kind of quick note a couple two, couple of notes real quick one um it was very intimate setting at Walsh gym because of that as you guys could hear me Julian Champagne could absolutely hear everything the students were saying and the students around me were saying some crazy things like I mean like crazy things like nothing racial but like obscene things towards him and I was like. You know, like, I mean, I was just screaming at the, the top of my lungs, but they were like cursing at him, like, like really, like, like getting attacking his character, kind of a person. It was a little like Smith at Indiana or less. N- no, like kind of like more. Eh, I mean, that was vulgar. This was more like directed, and they only targeted Champagne, not really the other kids. 
Uh, so maybe that maybe that had a big effect on him because it, it, it was weird to see Julian Champagne not play great. One more quick point uh, that's you know kind of important to note is that Posh Alexander didn't start the game and he didn't start the second half. Yeah, and then F, they said Mike Anderson said it was a coach's decision that uh, he that that's why. Is it really a coach's decision or was, or was there you know something that happened at practice? You, you know, I, what know. I, mean? You're always... I think we needed to shake up the starting lineup after the tough loss on against Seton Hall, and I think this was the way he did it. Uh, he wanted to get Wheeler inserted, and I think he thought Posh would respond coming off the bench. And well, it definitely worked. I mean, it Posh worked. responded coming off Posh the bench. Posh responded coming off the bench for sure. Posh did have a uh, James Harden effect, so he I mean, had that. But he is recovering from a groin injury, so that's true too. There yeah, wasn't yeah. a groin injury. You're right. But though. talking about injuries, Pinzone's out again, and thanks to the Twitter of Brendan Wilsh Photography, <laughs> if you look at his left hand ring finger he has a splint on his finger so apparently pinzone's got a finger injury which it's only a splint it's not a whole arm cast i'm hoping that he can possibly be back for nova yeah. Yeah. apparently Allegedly. he might be back from well, nova he, he might be able to come back for nova. i mean i guess it all depends obviously if his finger is injured then we'll, it, he won't be back for nova uh but we'll see what happens just to go back to posse's line for a minute just because he had such a great game 19 points seven rebounds five assists three steals it, it you know maybe it motivated him maybe he came out hot and said you know what you're right uh you know i, I don't want to not be in the starting lineup so let me let me get some work in also, you love to see Coburn coming off the bench, three for four from three. Yeah. Nice to see him shooting well it was again. Nice. He had that bank shot that one. We never get that bank shot. That always goes against us, but uh, this time we went for it, and it feels nice. It's great. And also Wheeler's first double-double of the year. First and hopefully not last. All right. Now joining us on the podcast is St. John's head student manager, Gabe Samanji. Hey, Gabe. How's it going? Good to have you on. It's good. Glad you guys could uh, finally get me to get on. Um, you know, listened to some of your podcasts before, so I'm excited. Cool. So just give us a little bit about yourself, uh, you know, where you're from, what year you are at St. John's. Yeah, so uh, I'm from Pittsburgh, um, senior year, heading to uh, final semester. So uh, looking forward to the uh, last, I guess, half of the Big East season and then wrap up to undergraduate. So nice, nice. What's your major? Uh, sports management. Cool. Basic. Cool. I feel like every manager is a sports management major. Oh, yeah. I was, too. <laughs> what uh, what kind of track do you want to go into? Do you want to go into coaching, or do you want to be in, like, front office or something? Kind of like uh, I'd like to do coaching. That's what my track is right now, so. Nice. Certainly cool. good. Certainly being the head manager is, uh, you know, good way good way to learn about coaching. Yeah, for sure. You know, get a first uh, look at everything that goes on every day, so it's pretty cool. So how different is it being the head student manager than just being a manager like you were in the past? Um, I would say the hours is one of the biggest thing and just, you know, doing more every day than what you're used to. Um, the coaches rely on you to do a lot more things than you, a basic, like than a first year manager or second year. Um, you have to handle all of coaches' bags on the road. So, uh, it's your fault if you lose a bag or misplace something and coach's wife will get on you about it if something's, you know, not right or something like that. But it's great. I uh, enjoy every day. So look a forward lot, to it every day. A lot more pressure, though, for sure. Yeah, exactly. If you if someone messes up, if another manager messes up, it's your fault. You need to take the blame for it. So got to make sure those guys are, you know, on point and doing what they have to do. Have you guys left any bags, like any any important bags? Uh, no. Um, 
not not yet so knock knock on wood wood there exactly but um no i double check and triple check to make sure just because i not taking any blame or can't have that happen so so obviously the coaches rely on you a lot more but how has your relationship with the players kind of changed do you think you have you know more of a, a bit of an influence in terms of how you're helping them or or is it still kind of similar and like a friendly relationship um no i would say so i mean we had a lot of a big turnover from last year to this year so the guys coming in this year um i knew firsthand like in the summer you know being around them every day so i kind of built a better relationship with all of those guys and having what nine new guys i believe it is um was you know better for me to be around them just because I could interact with them and stuff like stuff like that. Um, I would say previous years, I didn't have that great, especially my first year. Cause I was kind of, I was new to everything. So that was Anderson's first year. Um, but you know, these guys now, you know, just feel like brothers, honestly, just going every day and have not have fun, obviously, but you know, so I get the job done every day. Right. It's awesome though. I mean, it's really, it really must be cool. You know, and obviously Nick was a four-year manager, so he can speak to it a bit too. But you know, having going through the whole process of you being a freshman and being with players who are freshmen, and then kind of making your way through them. Obviously, the team has had a bit of a turnaround, as well as you know, like you talked about. Um, but still, you know, cool to see the progression as time goes by. And and you've been with Anderson the whole time. Yeah. So Nick had split manager, you know, under Lavin and under Mullen. Mm-hmm. So you started with with Anderson. What was it like? when he came in, obviously you didn't know anything else, but did you feel kind of a change in the way that the program started to look? Uh, yeah, for sure. I just feel like from what I heard um, in the past, obviously can't speak on it, but you know, I just feel like everything was more tightly ran and not as loose as it was before, I guess you could say. Um, people were held accountable for everything that they did. I don't know. I mean, from the past, um, I just heard that, you know, people like shoot around, like people can just wear whatever they wanted to. Um, but Coach Anderson likes to have all the players in practice uh, loops and uniforms and stuff like that. Um, so I just feel like, you know, with that being said, that being held, being held accountable is one of the biggest things that I feel like was a change from the previous coaching staff to this one that I could tell when I first got there. I'm definitely sure. seems it definitely seems like that from the outside. I mean, you know from the inside, but yeah, from knowing the inside of of the previous one, it definitely seems like that for sure. <laughs> definitely for sure. And certainly with Nick as the head manager, it was absolutely a mess. The guy's got no control. <laughs> that was fun. We had I we had a lot more managers than than you guys have right now. Oh, really? We, we had too many managers. Yeah, we had like twenty four or five managers in total. Oh my! It was we too much. Nine, I believe. Yeah. See, that's bad. And then we had to cut two because of COVID because yeah. the, the school didn't want as many people around the players to keep them safe. So That's we had true. to cut two, unfortunately, but they'll be yeah. back next year. Makes sense though. I mean, you know, obviously less people, less likely to, to get it. We've already had some issues with COVID. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, better to keep it, keep the chances low. So, so what's the best part of your job? I would say just being around the guys, honestly. And I mean, I, I say traveling is going across, you know, I guess the Midwest or yeah, Midwest and the East, Upper East, Northeast. So, um, I mean, I've been to some of these places just, you know, with my family and stuff, but traveling to like these are new arenas and uh, getting that feel on the game, on a game day on the road and then winning like last night is right. 
no better feeling than that. So, so which which arena have you liked? So of the away arenas, which ones have you liked the most so far? I would say, I'd say UConn at Gamble. Hmm. Um, just because last year we won there, and they were, I think, twenty fifth in the country at the time. Right. I think. Um. So that one was that one was pretty fun, and then I would say second would be Pfizer Forum just because it's so nice and, and brand new. Um, and I've yet to go to Hinkle, so that'll be on the – so uh, I feel like that – yeah. no, so I think that'll jump probably first or second on my list. Um, yeah, Hinkle, Hinkle's but, amazing. We, we've, yeah. t- we've talked to – I mean, we talk, Rudd also said Hinkle, and Nick and I have talked about Hinkle. Hinkle's, Hinkle's special. Uh, but yeah. I went – so I, I wasn't there when it was the Pfizer Forum, but I was there mm-hmm. before that when it was the – Bradley and Harris yes. or BMO? Uh, yep, BMO, uh, Bradley Harris Arena, exactly. Uh, it is a nice arena, and, and, and Milwaukee's kind of a kind of interesting city. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's cold as hell, but it was a nice arena when we were there. Now, what were you going to say? How'd you like the UBS arena? Like, how'd you like the inside of it? Like, and the, you know, and the under. Yeah, so of it. I, I'm kind of split on it from as a manager it was the worst experience you could imagine um, just because it was basically a home game for, I mean, it was obviously a home game for us, but we had to bring all of the Gatorade coolers, the basketballs, fill them all up. Usually at MSG, they have, you know, facilities, people that do that for us, but this was the first ever game at UBS. So they didn't know what to expect or anything. Right. Um, so we had to bring everything from school that's, you know, that's just a whole nother process before the game that, you know, at Karnaseka, we're there. If a game's at seven, we're there at 11, maybe even before, you know, starting to get ready for the game. But uh, so we had to stay at a hotel there for the UBS game the night before. So we weren't able to go set up the morning of. So we got there and two hours before the game and had to set everything up, and just run around. So we didn't have much time to set up and stuff like that, like a normal game day. That sounds but, rough. Yeah, it was it was brutal honestly um they didn't have anybody to help you guys no it was literally just the managers Jeez, yeah. nobody then, from the arena yeah no because they just didn't know like what we needed and i mean they showed us around where things were and stuff that if we needed it but like as a standpoint of you know helping us it was none right, right. so, so aside sounds, from- like, sounds like the people who made the drinks at ubs too <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, can't, I can't i can't comment on that we had, <laughs> so. we, had a, we had a bit of a rough experience Gabe, we uh we went there for the game obviously and uh well they it was their like you said it was their first basketball game and we we tried to order some alcoholic beverages and they were seemingly you know yeah great cool you want a double or a single we're like yeah great i'll have a double <laughs> and then she just gave me two cups of vodka and i was like well wait but no like i was supposed <laughs> to there's supposed to be something with this and she goes oh no i can't give you anything with it and I'm like oh okay so it was Seemingly, they had the same. Oh, uh, facing with two cups of vodka. Yeah, it was yeah. it was interesting. Uh, Wild night for him. You should have seen him. <laughs> oh, I can only imagine. I mean, after that game too. Yeah, after the game, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it seems like you had a similar experience. So besides UBS, what's the worst part of your job? Um, the worst part, I would. I mean, cleaning the locker room, right. wiping up sweat. I mean, that's kind of classic. I, I mean, I wouldn't say long hours. I mean, the just the hours that or unknown like you don't know if you're gonna do something late at night it's just up in the air but i mean it has to get done so it's done but like you know someone has to do something at 9 25 at night like 
sucks, but it's got to get done. So, right. Yeah, I remember when Nick was head manager. Uh, he was like on call all the time, basically. Yeah. Right? It was like anytime something happens, like you got to go. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. definitely like that. <laughs> Which player would you say is like the biggest gym rat that like he's like, oh, this time that I want to take shots right now. Who, who's coming with me? Julian is yeah. the biggest gym rat for sure. After the game last night, got home at 1.30, and he was in the gym after. Wow. Oh, yeah. So, well, sounds like a, a Ray Allen kind of uh, training process right there. Yeah, and then he was back in there this morning working out. So, Wow. They were heckling was, him last night. Oh, I know. They were getting on him He had a rough night. one. Yeah, but looking for a bounce back. So, I mean, it just shows last night whole team complete or complete game from everyone. You know, he had, what, five, I believe? Yeah. yeah, and yeah. we won by 21. Imagine if he would have had his average of 21. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, right. it would have set the Big East record. The score, yeah. The score difference. Yep. Yeah. Probably. I'm not sure what the number is, but I can. It's imagine. 40. It's 40 because uh, Villanova said it like uh like last oh, week against, against Butler, right? It's Butler. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah. was okay. it Butler or Creighton? It was uh, Butler. It was Butler. It was Butler. Yeah, Butler. Uh, um. Oh, Gabe, I got a question. Did you, yep. you could you you could definitely hear me last night during the free throws, right? Oh yeah, me and me and one of our GAs were crying on the bench. We're like, this is insane. Like, but I don't feel like that would have happened anywhere else with a all student oh, yeah. environment. Like, if we were at the Prudential Prudential Center, like, right. I just don't think it would have happened because it wouldn't have been as small mm-hmm. and just whole student section last night, basically. Right, it's such a it tiny so, gym yeah. too. It yeah. so it felt like a high school game last night. That's exactly what I said to my friend I came with. It felt exactly it was like so like close. Actually kind of feels like a mini hinkle, like a very I know it's very small scale because yeah. like, it's very like close. Mm-hmm. Vincent, what were you getting? Vincent, you, Vincent, you've done games in no, here. I was just saying Walsh Gym is, is tiny. Walsh Gym, I, I went to Seton Hall, so I spent a lot of time in Walsh Gym and it's tiny. And hearing it was funny just hearing Nick, but I was I wasn't there, I was here watching on TV and you could still hear him on the free throws, which was just <laughs> I was wild. I was watching the game back this morning just for I don't know for whatever reason and I could hear it last night or this morning and I was still laughing like that was insane. <laughs> I was yeah. a lot of heat up there. It was fun though. <laughs> it was really fun. And then I think Kalen was airballed one at one point. Yeah. And if he would have done that, oh my <laughs> yeah, he was uh five for ten. So something yeah. hey give give Nick some credit there. That's it. Yep. Good job, Nick. At least <laughs> Good you got echo. something done. Shout out Walsh Jim. That's it. <laughs> so do you do you prefer from both a manager standpoint, but also just from a personal standpoint, do you prefer playing at Madison Square Garden or Carneseca? Personal? Ooh, I would say that's tough. I'd say Carneseca, honestly. I mean, I get the whole MSG, you know, New York's team thing, but we just play better at Carneseca. I think the crowds are better at Carneseca. Um, don't have to stay at a hotel and the night before, don't have to pack. As a manager standpoint, that you know, that's just basically another away game for us right. um, for packing wise. Um, I just feel like we have a better chance of winning at Carneseca. We practice there every single day. And the yeah, as I said, the crowd just I think it made a huge makes a huge factor for us the way we play. We definitely get more up seemingly or the crowd certainly is, is better at Carneseca. And our team seems to certainly live off it, like you said. Uh, and I think you're right in that in Carneseca, I kind of feel like no matter who we're playing, we, we, we're definitely going to be in the game. 
Whereas yep. at Madison Square Garden, and, and, it, and mainly just because New York City is always like the secondary hub of every school, right? Because just the most people yeah. live there. So you're always going to have the most Villanova fans outside of Philadelphia in New York. So you're always going to have that atmosphere in Madison Square Garden where it's split. Whereas in, in Queens, that, that's not going to happen. It's going to be a St. Exactly. John's crowd no matter what. So what's your favorite memory at St. John's? Um, I would say either last year when we beat Nova at Carneseca, just because of what that meant. And then I would say my sophomore year, which was my first year as a manager, was when we beat Creighton at Carneseca. All Carneseca, at Carneseca. <laughs> exactly. And then I'd say if I have a third game, it would be last year when we beat UConn at, at Gamble. Definitely some good wins there. I mean, you've, you've yeah, seen some good wins. For sure. Mike Anderson has done well so far. So, he has, yeah. You know, it, it's good to see. So, obviously, those three games are, are your three favorite games. Um, so it's funny that two of them are home because you would – I guess I guess that's easier for you uh, as a manager, right? Be, doing the home game is easier than, uh, you know, taking the team on the road. Yeah. So, you can't, how can you really beat the uh, Pasha Alexander, like – Putting the uh, Colin, put Colin Gillespie in his pocket for half the game. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Guys having nightmares. He's still having nightmares, I think. For sure, and we got him coming up on Saturday. So, yeah. I mean, exactly. if if he goes down the ground again, Posh is running past him. Like <laughs> he, he can't. Uh, he has to just leave the school. Can't do anything. He's yeah. got to retire. Yeah. <laughs> retire before his NBA career starts. Um, what NBA career? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're not wrong. Uh, so, what are you most excited about? for looking ahead to the rest of the season? Um, I would say us going on a run right now. I think if we get Nova on Saturday, I believe we have three games coming up after that that are, I'd say, winnable. I mean, we got Providence at Carneseca. Like I said, we play better at Carneseca. They're 17th in the country right now. Mm -hmm. uh, we played them tight at the dunk, so I feel like got them coming to Carneseca. I feel like we have a better chance of, you know, winning that game. And then I would say also getting Julian back on track is one of the main things. He, he has struggled last a bit two games. I'm not, I'm yeah, not I mean, I'm not, I'm not worried about it at all. But it, you know, just to get his confidence back. So no, he'll he'll get back. He, he's too good to to be to be exactly. bad. He'll have some bad games. He'll have a couple game, bad games here and there. He happened to string two of them together, but he'll get right. His shot is too good to, exactly. to last for that long. And he puts too much work in for it not yeah. to show. So. Yeah, he had a, uh, a three-point shooting slump at the beginning of the season. I think it was like the fourth and fifth game or something like that where he just – it wasn't hitting. And then he came right back after that with uh, Indiana and just started hitting his threes again. So, yeah. I suspect next game he's just going to nail out like four or five probably. So, looking ahead to the rest of our games, what do you think our biggest test is coming up? I mean, obviously Nova. Um, and then I think – what is it? Super Bowl Sunday. We play UConn at the Garden. Yeah. So I believe I think that's going to be a tough one, just because you know UConn fans are going to travel to the Garden. Right. Plus um, it's a Super Bowl, so so some you know you won't get as many fans as you normally do. Yeah, I think those two games right there, and then we have Fe February third. We go to Georgetown, and the fifth we play at Butler. So we got a two game road trip, I guess, right there. That I mean. Two very very winnable games, I believe. Um, but you know, road games are always tougher. So um, I think we have a stretch coming up that we could get some wins. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. But Butler to Georgetown is that your double trip this year? 
where you guys just um, come right from Butler to Georgetown and then you drive back or not? Or do you guys not do that? So, no, I, I'm, I've never been on a double road trip, so I guess we'll find out. Um, <laughs> All right. So Man. I know we play, we will drive to Georgetown first. And I, I, I'm praying we drive or fly right out of DC to, I guess, Indianapolis because four and a half hour bus ride back to Queens on February 4th and then fly out left that same day would be a lot of travel i feel like within a yeah that would be eight yeah. hours yeah so that would, i'm that praying that we just fly out of dc <laughs> but yeah. it certainly makes See. the most sense particularly with that with that butler the sorry the georgetown game being at six o'clock at night you're not gonna yeah. get done until at least eight you know the game finishes around eight and then everything not from then on, you're not leaving yeah and 10 15 exactly hours back so my guess is they'll take you straight from dc but I hope so. <laughs> uh, fingers. I'm hoping for you. I'm hoping for you. Talking about after games, uh, I think it was Georgetown. It was on a Sunday. Wusu had a Chick Fil A sandwich. How do you get a Chick Fil A sandwich on Sunday? Um, I will say that we did have a post practice meal from Chick Fil A on Saturday, and it had to have been a leftover. Oh, oh no! Man. So, so I'm not gonna call him out, but I guess I will. So. Uh, <laughs> We, you know, we said, I really hope it's not from Saturday. And, oh, yeah, man. it will. It was. So uh, well, it's a tough look for Dylan there. But I mean, I guess Chick-fil-A is Chick-fil-A. It's like, I mean, you know, yeah. I, I guess it's good heated up. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe um, yeah. we'll let it slide. <laughs> so which player are you looking most forward to seeing grow? Well, that's tough. I would say, I'd say Omar. Or Pinzone. Um, I think Omar has a lot of intangibles that he has. Just he finishes around the basket. He has great hands, athletic, has a has a pretty good shot right now. Um, he works out on it or on his shot a lot. Um, I'm excited for him because I think he's going to get some more minutes here because coaches go to the bench more and he's going to show you know why he should be playing some minutes that he does. And then with Pinzone, I mean, he showed some flashes earlier this year that he's capable of being a point guard in the Big East. He's been out, so we'll see. Um, coming up here, get him back, get him some minutes. So I'm excited for him to come back too because it will just help, you know, give Posh some minutes that he doesn't need to play and give him some rest because he's playing 35-plus minutes a night. So give him, some, right. give him some break. Yeah, it's been it's – been, I mean, Pinzone had a good start you know to, to the season and it's been rough not having him around so it'd be good to have him back just going back a little bit obviously we were talking about mike anderson a lot so what's the one piece of advice that mike anderson has given that you will never forget he always preaches a family environment and you know everyone in the on staff all the way from top to bottom is tight-knit so i think like you know taking that with me like wherever I go, just, you know, everyone's family. Um, and I, and I like that because, you know, growing up, my family was always tight. So, and we, it's all we had. So, um, you know, on the road, he always says, all you have is yourself and like, and your, and your teammates and that's all you have. So you walk into enemy territory with just the people you came with and that's the family you got to go to war with. Um, and I think I'll take that to wherever I go that, Whoever you have with you, you've got to ride with them. So speaking of the team being a family, who's the glue that holds the family together? 
I'd say Dresa or Joel. Those guys, you know, jo- always the biggest jokesters on the team, but I feel like they're the ones that um, bring everyone together and, you know, keep the keep the room light and, uh, you know, we're always laughing. So. so which player do you have the best relationship with? Um, I would say Steph, Wheels, and Julian. Just because uh, me and Julian uh, both are twins, so I think we share something there. Um, so that that's probably one of the main reasons. Does your does your twin go to St. John's? He does not. He is the does head go- manager at Syracuse. Oh uh, no! <laughs> oh yeah, not Syracuse. So, yeah, we, sorry, we hate Syracuse. So he's going to the Raptors next. <laughs> Yeah, so, yes. I, you know what's funny though? I thought you were gonna say that he went to Pitt and was the head manager at Pitt. That would no, have been really actually, funny. Considering no. you're from Pitt, and then Julian that would have been hysterical. Yeah, like, exactly. But I we also had that connection that you know Justin went to Pitt, so he kind of he kind of knew the area over there as well too. So yeah. All right. Really so now cool. I got some additional questions. So <laughs> <laughs> very cool that you're both head managers. Unfortunate for him that he has to do it in Syracuse. I know. I know. How how did how did being from Pittsburgh? How did your brother end up going? I mean, obviously, you going to St. John's from Pittsburgh, former Big East rivalry. That's one yeah. thing. And your brother going to Syracuse. You guys really just – you wanted nothing to do with the Pitt Panthers, huh? Yeah, I would I would say growing up, we didn't – we weren't really Pitt fans of any sports, obviously besides the Steelers and the Pirates. Not really a big hockey family. So, but, um, yeah, I mean – I would say I, I hate Pitt athletics in general <laughs> just because fair, I feel like they're yeah, the, the cockiest fans ever and they're never good. Um, Sounds a so lot like I, was, I mean, yeah, I'm not going to go. Minus, minus Yankees. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> wow. But, wow. but no, I was, no, my brother won. <laughs> Guys, geographically confused, thinks he can make jokes about all the New York teams, huh? <laughs> just because you root for teams that don't live near you, Nick, doesn't mean you get rights to make fun of them. <laughs> How many Super Bowls have the Chargers won? Okay, that's right. <laughs> Gabe, back to you. No, I was just going to say that my brother's dream school was Syracuse. So, I, you know, they, you he's also a sport analytics major, and they're the best in the country. So, I mean, that's no right. better place to go. So, I guess, I guess he gets a pass. I mean, not really. Yeah, we'll, we'll give him one. We'll give him and one. And unfortunately, uh, we were playing Syracuse next year. That Ross team leaked that or – broke that news yeah. earlier this year so we kind of missed it by uh one year but oh that's rough. yeah that would have been cool that would be cool yeah. you guys Look, on the opposite sidelines yep, another exactly. uh another twin matchup just missed off by a year exactly yep. true yep we'll see maybe it hey, could be a hey, it could be a tournament appearance who knows yeah hopefully we make the tournament not them yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> so what's something you would tell the fan base about this team that you think we as a fan base overlook hmm I would just say that we just need to all relax after, you know, two games. Um, Couldn't agree more with you. I know these fans want, you know, these guys to win every night, which obviously that's the goal, but it's just not possible, I feel like. Um, you know, we're going to run into some tough times and tough patches on the road, but um, just give us some time. I mean, we showed last night that what we're capable of, and now we have it on film, and now that's the expectation. So. We uh, keep it, keep it pushing and, you know, get some wins down the road. And I'm not, you know, I wasn't a St. John's fan growing up, obviously 
not from the area, but you know, my time here, um, the past two years, we've had runs in the you know, second half of the Big East play. Um, so our time's coming. I'm not really worried about it. So sort of in the same vein, what's one thing that Coach Anderson does with his players that you think makes him such a good coach that the fan base doesn't really know about? Um, like I mentioned earlier, the accountability part um, and, you know, trusting your teammates and playing to why you recruited to play at St. John's, like top 10 winningest program of all time. Like you should be held to a standard here now that, you know, you need to play to that expectation of who played here before you and who made the program what it is. Um, I think that him, you know, showing, like telling our players, you know, that they need to play to those standards has really like, I feel like elevated people's games this year and obviously the past two years uh, to kind of bring us back to where we need to be and where we're going to be. That's great. I mean, that, that's something I think the fan base has not forgotten about, but it, you know, us being one of the 10 most winning programs is, you know, not, not always something that's most prevalent because we've struggled a bit over the past few years. And, you know, if Mike Anderson seemingly he's done a great job of putting us in a place to win, pushing that mantra and, and moving that along, I think that's, I think that's great. Yeah. A lot of times people forget about the history of St. John's. And they also, one of the arguments that you also just made before Vincent, that we've never won anything except the fact that we won, you know, three NITs when they were like the best tournament, we won two other ones later, but Gabe, I got a question for you. Uh, so you, were, you guys were supposed to play the c and managers. What what happened there? Uh, so I'm just going to say we had two backouts late. Okay. Um, it's because you guys were... Mention, I shouldn't mention any names. It was, well, nothing was COVID-related, so, you know, just okay. chalk that. But uh, we had some late arrivals at a hotel and things like that, so... It's always but, tough being on the road because you've got, like, a very limited amount of guys who can actually exactly. suit up. So, if, like, they got to know, did, like... They didn't want to smoke anyway, so they're lucky. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, there's a little rivalry. Good, <laughs> I like that. We I mean, they to... called us out, so, you know, got to talk back. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Would we got to remind them. When were you supposed to play? Um, What was it? Saturday, Sunday night. Oh, Sunday night. Okay, yeah, because I was, yeah. was going to say it was pretty hard with the game on Saturday and the game on Monday. Yeah, and it's tough for us because we can't play, obviously, MSG at MSG for manager games. Right. So, and we play, obviously, a lot of home games there. So, um, and we can't, I mean, it'd be tough to go back to campus just to play a manager game and then drive right back to the city that same night. So, it's tough for us. But, and then on the road, we travel with three or four managers so the numbers are also low on the road so yeah sometimes you gotta get like ga's and everybody that's yeah, why rod has gotta say, come in and play well red was one that backed out so oh come on <laughs> oh no I, I gotta talk to him later after that <laughs> yeah but you know i didn't want to mention any names but you, had to, you brought it up sometimes so. you gotta do what you gotta Sorry, do he was on the show <laughs> are, we, we can talk bad about him he's a little bit yeah. <laughs> uh you guys haven't played a lot of manager games this year have we you played two who else did you play? Uh, we played at Indiana and at Creighton because we played all these smaller guys, oh, smaller teams at home during non-conference that don't travel with any managers. Yeah. So it's like you can't even can't even play them. So that's tough. So 
I don't know if you know, we used to do like a Big East manager tournament at actually Terminal 23 in the city over by, oh, we used really? to have a connection, yeah. So one of my old head managers knew the head manager at Villanova who had a connection at Terminal 23. Yeah. And we used to go there and we used to play manager tournament, Big East manager tournaments for the Big East tournament like the night before. That's awesome. That's uh, so awesome. <laughs> there any potential for you guys to do that? I know you probably could, they can't do it there because they took down the, the court. That's not even a court anymore, I don't think. Um, and Let's go to Dykeman. Yeah, you're gonna play outside at night. You know how long that takes. <laughs> oh, we did hey, a I'm tournament. Done, I, we did it over like a, you know, there was they, we got usually had eight teams, so you know it's two v two, and then yeah, tournament style. <laughs> I, hey, I got no problem going to Dykeman to play. That's like the uh, center of outdoor basketball right there. It's fair. It's that true. or if you can convince all the other managers to go over to Queens, then you have enough courts between. Uh, true. And all Taffner. Yeah, <laughs> that's also a good point too. We could do that. And we sure, got everyone's in Karnaseka too. That's three courts we could use. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the finals could be in Karnaseka. <laughs> Try to get like uh, the red zone to come out, get some fraternities to come out. So, yep. <laughs> make it a whole sure. thing. <laughs> so, you've been there for four years. And like, I remember where the like locker room and everything was at, the facilities were at when I left, which was, I guess, a year before you uh, went in. What's like the yep. biggest change or like the best change you would say to like the facilities between like the locker room, Tafner? All that yeah. other stuff, you know, um, Karnaseka, the whole nine. I would say, well, they just did the Karnaseka statue in front of, or when you walk in Karnaseka. Um, I would say, like, just the lobby area of Karnaseka, I guess, got kind of updated. And then, obviously, the locker room is the newest thing. Um, and they kind of, they redid some of the upstairs offices, too, like the flooring and stuff like that. So, it looks, looks cleaner now. Um, but, yeah, I would just say they've kind of added some, you know, um logos and decals around the facility kind of like make it look nicer um so they're doing some good good things over there um but yeah just the locker room is obviously the the nicest thing now nice i remember when i when i started it was white walls and like <laughs> pictures and picture frames of like you know old carnesecca pictures and yeah. old mullen pictures yeah it's bad and then <laughs> And then they put art on the wall, and now I guess yeah, they've changed it. They've changed it since then, too. Yeah. It's funny. It's amazing to see it, the transition. Yeah, and I saw – I forget who showed me the picture, but uh, Tafner, when the, uh, they put the St. John's, like, I guess, like, not wallpaper up, but, like, you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Like along the, the top. The... Um, uh -huh. It was just, like, white walls yeah. before that, and it looked it – looked, it looked pretty bad. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> that's what, that's when I started. It was white walls and like, you know how they have LED lights? They weren't yeah. LED lights. They were the old style lights. And then Jeez. they changed it one thing. It was like, oh my God, it's so much brighter in here. The, the yeah. one thing I will say that needs upgraded is the lights in Carnesecca. You know, if all the lights were turned out for intros before the game, it would just make the atmosphere better. You know, they turned half the lights off and it's just kind of doesn't, you yeah. know, the vibe just isn't that good. But, and I think that that would be an easy fix. But I don't, hey, I don't know. Those, yeah, it's those HD lights. They take time to turn <laughs> on. Yeah. <laughs> yep. At least we'll hit up uh, Craig on Twitter. Yeah. They ask the next Ask the AD. Yep. That's yeah. right. <laughs> and new lights in Carnage. He hasn't done one in a minute. So, gotta make sure we get soon. on him. Next one he has, we'll get on him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Gabe, thanks for coming on with us. It's been great talking to you. Good to get some insight into the team. And, you know, just really nice to, to meet you. Yeah, no problem, guys. It was a great time. We want to thank Gabe for coming on with us again. It's always interesting to see, you know, from a different perspective, the team from a different perspective. 
Yeah, I mean, me personally, I was a former manager, former head manager, exactly like him at St. John's. It's interesting to see another manager's perspective. I one of the things that stuck out to me from his interview was uh, how he talked about Mike Anderson. Obviously, he talked about setting up, a, you know, a kind of a family. This team is a family, and we, we've all heard that mantra about Mike Anderson. But what stuck out to me was when he talked about how Mike Anderson pushes accountability to kind of the greater historic image of St. John's, to being one of the top 10 winningest programs of all time. You know, that's not something that fans think about all the time, uh, about how a historical program we have. And for a guy who's not from New York, who, who didn't have ties to the area, uh, for him to use that to push his players, I thought was, was kind of interesting to see. When Gabe brought up the statement about Julian and after the scene hall victory, even though we did win and we should have been celebrating, he went immediately to the gym, started working on a shot. So everyone that's worried about his lull in shooting right now, he is worried too, and he's making sure that it's just a two-game lapse. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's a hard worker. I yeah. think he's gonna. He's gonna be all right. I think he'll be fine. Uh, and I like the flaggy point that you said, like about Mike Anderson holds just historic standards that matters, and that's great. All right, let's look ahead to Villanova Saturday, four thirty on Fox in Philadelphia. Villanova coming in fifteen and five on the year, eight and two in the conference, fourteen. In the country, they're coming off of a two-game win streak. They beat Georgetown, 85-74. to They beat DePaul, 67-43. to They won't play anybody before they play us, so we'll be their next matchup. Colin Gillespie leads the team with 17.3 points per game. He also leads the team in assists with 3.2 a game. Jermaine Samuels leads the team in rebounding, 6.4 per game. He's also their leading blocker, averaging .8 blocks a game, but he'll, he'll be the guy down low attempting to block us. This Villanova team is not the top five team that Jay Wright is used to, but it is still a great, solid team. Uh, it's a team that has a ton of talent and is, is going to be, you know, we're going to have a work cut out for us on Saturday. Hopefully we take that win on Monday and we use that to, you know, swing the momentum in our favor and roll into this game with some confidence. Look, I don't know if it's just the Monday blowout talking, but I, I have I, I really feel like we could win this game on Saturday after uh, I know they're 14th in the country. I know we're playing at uh, the pavilion. We're not even playing at the Wells Fargo Center, but I don't know. Maybe it's just the high of the win, but I, I feel like I feel like we can do it. I can, I can just see Posh eating up Colin Gillespie for lunch uh, like he did last year. Um, and I don't know. I got, a, I got a good feeling about this, which is probably bad for, you know, in reality, but it feels good. With Nova this year, they are a very low turnover team. They're averaging 9.5 turnovers per game, but they are averaging only 12 assists a game. So, obviously, it looks like a opportunity for some trapping, which we did a great job at against Seton Hall, but does their three-point shooting end up hurting us on the traps or the push at the once they push through the half court press, they are the third best shooting uh, team, three point team in the Big East. They I don't know though. They shoot thirty six percent from three. That's that's pretty good. They were low turnover last year though too, and that's not what happened when they played us. They also hold a lot of the teams to a, to a very few amount of points. They hold teams to sixty point nine points a game. It's low, and we I mean we're a team that score used to score. We're the leading over scorers 80, in the yeah, Big East. Yeah, what do, where do we, how we how many at eighty point. Three. Yeah, eighty point three. So we're you know that's a that's more than a twenty point difference. That's going to be a 
I think that's going to that, be the that's most a matchup to watch. Yeah. Absolutely, hundred percent. And the turnovers, like you mentioned, Tim, is going to be you know a number to watch. They don't turn over the ball a lot. We turn over people a lot. They don't turn people over all that much, though. I mean, their, their turnover margin is plus three, but you have to remember their number is so low. They only turn the ball over about nine times a game, and they're turning people over about twelve times a game, which is kind of right near our average in turning the ball over. So if we have our average game on the turnover margin and our points margin. Craig, you may be right. We may get a happy Saturday and come away with a victory. That would be great. But I think also for us, it's the pace. It's pace, 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 pace for us. They want to go slow. We want to go fast. If we can, if we can push the pace like we did against Seton Hall on Monday night, it could be a good Saturday. If we get into a half court contest with them, that's not where we're going to thrive. I wonder with Colin Galepsi, who's going to be the ball handler when he's off ball or when he's on the bench. Because if they don't have someone that's going to truthfully be that backup point guard that's going to handle it, there's a good chance that he can get into foul trouble just trying to guard Posh. They never call fouls on Villanova, Tim. You know that. They and I never, both ever call fouls Villanova is still under the limit from the last time they made the championship. Well, Jay Wright might freak out when he gets one foul, so right. he'll pull him. Villanova, they don't foul. That's just who they are. Yeah, right. They're Villanova. So, like, Nate Watson just don't, doesn't foul. That's right. Gross. By the way, Tim, the, the kid you're talking about is probably going to be their, their Justin Moore, their junior guard, who averages 15.8 uh, points of a game and 2.4 assists, along with 5.1 rebounds. Just to have another guy off the ball. Like, that's going to be their off-ball guy. Yeah, but, probably. I mean, when Galepsi's off the court, who's going to? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Still probably going to be. Yeah. <laughs> also, just considering the- that's probably their second-best guard. Another thing to talk about pace and talking about uh, the scene hall game too. Montez Mathis, we haven't talked about it in a while. I feel like he had another double digit game against scene hall going into his Villanova matchup. He's a key. When he gets a double digit points, we win. We win. Undefeated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Undefeated. I think nine and zero, nine and zero, ten and zero, something like that. Nine and zero. So let's get Montez the ball more. Let's get him to ten points, and then we know we're gonna win. <laughs> Lock it in. He looks very good at the beginning of the scene uh, hall game on Saturday. Yeah, their first, like, four of our first eight points or something like that. He I came mean, out hot. I remember that. And if, he did good on – he really did good on Monday. If if Mathis can have – can get a double di- get in double digits, with the way Aaron Wheeler is playing and Posh being Posh, if Champagny is his normal self, that then we really do have a shot in this Villanova game. If you've got Mathis in double digits, Wheeler in double digits, Posh and Julian having games that they normally have, and a day Wusu hopefully, you know – Getting getting back in double digits, then the you know then it's not so much of a pipe dream. Then then I think it's actually a chance that we can come away with a win. Obviously, it's a stretch. I mean, it, they are they're a very good team. It's a quad one opportunity because they're 14 in the country and their nets even higher. So it's you know it's it's going to be a hard game and it's it's you know hopefully it's not going to be a Creighton scenario. Hopefully it's more like a at Walsh Gym scenario. Uh, but you never know. I mean, this is our team, as we can see, plays up and plays down. And when we play up, we can be really good. What's interesting to note is the reason we're playing at the Pavilion is because um, Wells Fargo Center is hosting East Regional in the NCAA tournament. In order for Villanova to be eligible to play there during the NCAA tournament, they cannot play more than three games at the Wells Fargo Center. 
that's why we're scheduled at the Pavilion this year, and because they're, they're only playing three Big East games at the Wells Fargo Center. That's really wild. I didn't I didn't realize that was a rule. Yeah, I didn't know that was a rule. So what, they're what, what regional? Like what? Uh, it's the East. It's the East so regional. They, they want to be able to. They want to the be able East. to play at Wells Fargo during the tournament, and yeah. it's the way they're set up right now. What if they make it like up to the six, Sweet Sixteen point, right? That's what that makes it. Up the, to the it's the first. regional. So yeah, it would be up oh, to yeah. the no, it would be the Sweet Sixteen and the Elite and, Eight. And Elite Eight. Mm. Wow. So if they can get there, which you know Villanova has a track record of generally getting there, and when they're good, I mean they're 14th in the country, they very well could be a top seed if they get placed in the East. That is some home court advantage. That <laughs> I mean, it, to be honest, it, it's a it's a smart move. Right? It, it, you got to give them credit. I for mean, that. if you get the opportunity for that to do that, you might as well because they're you know yeah, <laughs> you, that's the, your ultimate. You'd be in your own locker room, right, for the elite. Right. Could you imagine? That's I mean, that's the dream. Going back to our earlier point when you guys were talking about how Villanova never commits any fouls and we commit all the fouls in the world, what I worry about for this game is that Colin Gillespie, I mean, he's going to be their main ball handler, and he is 14th in the country in free throw shooting percentage at 91.1%. So he's going to be getting to the line a lot probably because, one, he is their golden boy, and two, it's Colin Gillespie. And and by Colin Gillespie, you mean Ryan Archdiakno because (laughs) Colin Gillespie is just... Ryan Archidiakono, who had four years, won a national championship, and was like, you know what, I really am not done playing for Villanova, so I'll just go and we'll take a picture of a different kid and we'll act like it's this kid named Colin Gillespie, but in retrospect, it's just going to be Ryan Archidiakono because they play the same game and they look exactly alike because it's Ryan Archidiakono who's getting four more years of eligibility at Villanova. And just to make it even sweeter, they put his brother on the roster to make it seem like Oh no, that that kid with the Archer Jackner jersey, just in case Ryan puts on the wrong one, is <laughs> is his brother. It's not it's not him. It's it's his brother. You know, it's his brother who's on the team now. No way is Colin Gillespie a different player than Ryan Archer No, I will die on this hill. You can't tell me he's different. Conspiracy theory, baby. That's it. Ryan Archer Jackano getting eight years of eligibility, absolutely absurd. Just absurd. <laughs> You'll get to see him Saturday, four thirty on Fox as we take on the Villanova Wildcats. All right, that'll do it for the show. For Tim, Craig, Nick, I'm Vincent. Thanks for listening. Go Johnny. Keep chasing.